Thanks for listening to Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. As we wrap up 2020, we wanted to replay one of our most popular episodes of the year, featuring Ryan Ganaw, founder of The Military Wallet. As a transitioning service member, your financial situation can change drastically as you leave the military and enter civilian life. Without proper budgeting and planning ahead of time, it's easy to overlook all of the different aspects that may affect your financial stability. On this podcast, we're always looking to bring on experts to help shed light into some of your toughest transition challenges. And today's guest is an expert in all things related to financial planning and education when leaving the military. Ryan Ganaw joins the show to discuss the resources available to transitioning service members through his website, the biggest financial mistakes people make, as well as his own military background and lessons learned from his transition. The Military Wallet provides resources to help you plan for many of the topics that affect transitioning service members, including unemployment, healthcare, and life insurance. To learn more, visit www.themilitarywallet.com. We hope you've enjoyed the episodes we've shared this year, and we look forward to continuing to serve you in your military to civilian career transition in 2021. Stay tuned for new episodes in January, and I hope you have a safe, healthy holiday season. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Great, Megan. Thanks for having me on. Definitely. I'm glad to have you on today because we do not actually have very many podcasts that talk about um, some of the things that we'll talk about today in terms of the financial resources and advice that you're going to have for our listeners. So before we jump into that, we have a lot to cover. Can you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, I joined uh, the Air Force back in 99. I had a tremendous career and I, I reached a crossroads where it was either re-enlist and, and commit for a longer period or try something new. So I decided to try something new. I got out in 06, tried my hand in the civilian world for quite some time, and then uh, I realized something was missing. So uh, many years later, after eight and a half year break in service, I actually went back and joined the Air National Guard, and I still serve today. So um, I've I've seen both sides of active duty and the reserve component, and then I had that huge break in between. So I've uh, kind of had a lot of uh, experience and a lot of great opportunities. That's awesome. So you mentioned you had a break. So I want to talk a little bit about when you did have that break. Um, what kind of led to your decision to transition out? Was it something that you had thought about for a while, or like you said, you just kind of thought, okay, well, you know, maybe see what's out there. Yeah, you know, I joined the Air Force because uh, I, I had done a year of college and I didn't know where I wanted to go with my career. So what I didn't want to do is spend four years of college, get out, try to find an entry-level job, not knowing what I wanted to do, and then feel like I was stuck. So I really just wanted to have that adventure. So I signed for a six-year commitment instead of the you know tradi- more traditional four years. Um, and during that time, I far exceeded any expectation of what I could have done with my military career. So I went on five deployments. I did a special duty tour. Uh, I was able to get my degree while I was um, enlisted by going to night classes and taking correspondence courses. So I had really just checked off every box that I w- wanted to uh, c- accomplish when I joined the Air Force. So I just decided it was uh, it was really time to look at what I wanted to do. And I knew that coming back into the Air Force would always be an option. So I got out and that transition was actually pretty difficult and we can get into the more detailed discussion of that afterward, uh, you know, a little bit later. Um, I joined 
uh, a company that worked actually for the Air Force. Was, I, I was doing that as a contractor. So I still had that bit of uh, camaraderie and being part of the mission, even though I was wearing a suit instead of uh, mm-hmm. wearing a military uniform. And I started uh, my websites on the side as uh, as a hobby, more or less, which turned into a business. Eventually, that became a full-time thing. And then because I didn't need to be my, my family and I didn't need to live where we were. We could live anywhere because anywhere you have an internet connection, I can work. We decided to move away from that area. So I left that military community and I was more and more divorced from that uh, feeling of being part of something bigger than myself. So that's what led to me actually coming back in and joining the Air National Guard eight and a half years after I left active duty. It was just missing that sense of being part of something. And then, you know, there's some really nice benefits and pay and things that go with serving again. So all mm-hmm. of that ties together. And, uh, and that's really a huge part of the, the why behind the transition and then going back in and joining. So uh, we'll just take it wherever you want to go from there. Yeah. Well, a couple questions for you. And I think, cause I've been, uh, I've been listening to what you've been saying. And I forgot if you mentioned, did you, what, what, what did you say that your degree was in? I didn't say uh, my degree was in professional aeronautics. Uh, okay. The, the university is Embry-Riddle, which is an aeronautical university. Uh, a good way to look at my degree is more or less aviation management. So there's mm-hmm. a, a strong component of a lot of aviation aspects, management, things like that. So I didn't, I was an aircraft maintainer. I was enlisted when I was on active duty. Um, I did not want to, to remain within the aircraft maintenance field. It's a good field, but it's not where I felt I would be best utilized with my skills, desires, et cetera. Uh, That's part of why I left the Air Force. I didn't want to continue doing that career field, and there weren't many good career options to transition into at the time. So uh, it's very limited and structured on when you can change career fields in the military, how you can do it, and which opportunities are available. So um, I ended up – part of the reason I was unemployed – I was unemployed for six months when I left the the Air Force. And part of that reason is because I was trying to transition from a – blue collar aircraft maintenance background into more of a white collar use my head uh, background. Mm-hmm. And I eventually was able to do that. And I found a job at uh, headquarters, uh, AFMC, uh, Air Force Materiel Command. So it's the, the logistics headquarters for the Air Force. It's where they do all the parts, supplies, ordering, requisitions. Uh, it, it all ties together. So I was able to actually use my military background because I spoke a lot of the language and terminology, and I just had to learn um, a few other things. So it was a good transition. It just took me a while to find that and to make it work. And I'm sure that was stressful. In fact, we actually just received a comment on a LinkedIn post. I, we sometimes will reach out and ask people if they have any topics for the podcast, and someone commented, I think it was just this week, about um basically deciding, you know, kind of in the transition process. So deciding like, okay, so if I, if I am going to wait to make sure that I'm taking the best opportunity, then, you know, how's that going to affect me financially? How do I figure that out? Am I going to be able to financially do it? If not, if I jump into something that I don't necessarily love, and then I'm back on the job hunt. And so for you, that was probably pretty stressful at the time not necessarily knowing how it would work out and being unemployed for six months. I think that's something that a lot of transitioning service members do struggle with. Yes, it's, it's a huge struggle. Um, the biggest struggle for me was not the financial component. Um, I mentioned that I deployed multiple times while I was in the military. And actually, 
I signed for six years and I extended six months on my contract because they needed um, somebody else in my unit to deploy. So I didn't have any immediate plans. So I just deployed that last time. I was single at the time. So I basically saved every penny I earned for a lot of those deployments. So I had money in the bank. Uh, the biggest struggle for me was more of the emotional struggle. Of, mm -hmm. You know, you've got this job, you've got these responsibilities, you're in charge of things, you're making decisions. And then all of a sudden one day it stops and there was nothing to tie that all together for me. So for six mm -hmm. months, I di just didn't have a purpose other than trying to find a job. Um, I also moved across the country. I got married right away. Um, you know, all these life changes were happening at once. So yes, it was stressful and there were a lot of unknowns. Um, but yeah, so the, going back to your reader's question, yeah, the financial component is huge. For me specifically, I was prepared for it, but I know a lot of people have families or um, they're not deploying like we were uh, when I got out in 2006. I mean, we were just going all the time. So I had a lot of opportunities to save money. And if somebody is not in that situation, you may have to take uh, the first job that comes up or a, you know, within a very reasonable amount of time so you can continue to put food on the table for your family. That's mm -hmm. absolutely do that. Take care of yourself, take care of your family. But that doesn't mean that you have to settle for that and stop looking. You know, you can always, you mm -hmm. should always be out networking, improving yourself, whether that's uh, through formal education or getting certifications or taking on additional duties and responsibilities in your current job. Whatever you can do to improve and increase your value to either your employer or to another one, you should always pursue that. So yes, mm -hmm. take, take whatever job you need to do to feed your family and take care of yourself, but that doesn't mean settle forever. Yeah, I think that's really good advice because it's one of those questions where the answer is kind of in the middle. It depends, and it kind of depends on if that person has had the opportunity to save like you did, or if maybe they haven't, and then you know, they have that initial panic coming off of active duty and they're transitioning out of the military and thinking, I don't want to settle. So maybe the answer that you just gave about them taking it is not maybe the thing that they want to hear. But I, I like the advice that you gave of, you know, continue to look and keep your network open. And just because you're taking the job, it's almost like a means to an end. So settling um, for a short period of time is, of course, kind of the best course of action because you do need to pay your bills, but just don't stay there for too long. Sure. And, you know, if you have a choice between two jobs uh, at the same time or, or um, you know, be strategic about it. Look for a job that's going to give you another skill or perhaps an intro to other people or expand your network, something that's going to add value in the long term. Uh, when mm -hmm. I was unemployed, I could have gotten a job as, you know, a clerk at at uh, a retail store or something like that. Um, but when I looked at it, I was receiving unemployment benefits at the time. So if I were to do that, okay, I give up unemployment benefits, I'm working, but I'm not working towards something that's going to give me a lot of knowledge, expertise, or really help my cause. So in, in that, from that standpoint, um, I thought my time was better used toward networking and trying to find a job that was more in line with what I wanted to do. Now, had the process taken longer, I would have reevaluated that situation and said, okay, let me do something else because I have to now. Uh, but thankfully it worked out that it worked out as it did. But yeah, if you have an opportunity, try to find a job that's going to give you opportunities, whether it's career wise uh, or introduction to a network or into a new community or uh, really anything that's going to help you grow. 
Yeah, I think that's great advice. Now, you mentioned that your first career was into a contractor role, which is interesting because we just had a podcast a couple of weeks ago about um, type contract types of opportunities. And um, that was one of the things that the guest mentioned was how it is kind of almost like a, a half step that you're taking because you still have the camaraderie and kind of the community that you had in the military. And it's a lot of the same, but it's enough different to almost get your feet wet when you're transitioning out and, you know, pursuing a civilian career. Yeah, it was great. Um, I worked directly for um, a GS, so general service, uh, federal employee, and his boss was an active duty member. So I reported up up to a civil servant who reported up to a military member. I gave reports to a general about once a month. Uh, I worked for a major. I worked for another captain. Um, so I was still dealing with the military terminology. I was still working in that environment. Half the people I was working with were veterans. Uh, another good percentage were still serving. The rest were uh, government employees or people who have been working in that environment for a long time. So as far as the transition from military to the civilian world goes, it was really a nice blend. And I was able to kind of, like you said, get, get my feet wet. Um, I worked one other job after that, and it was also working for the government, but I was no longer working on, well, not for the government, for a contractor on a government program, but I was no longer working on a government installation. So it was kind of taking another uh, baby step away from that environment. Uh, so it was really a great experience, and I would encourage uh, military veterans to look into those opportunities if they are going to be separating and still living near a military community. Uh, it's a great way to use your experience. If you work for the civil service, you can buy back your military time, which goes toward your retirement, uh, and it gives you more advanced earnings for your uh, leave, uh, basically your vacation days. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of great benefits out there toward making a transition in that direction. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, Ryan, you mentioned the six-month unemployment. Obviously, that was not an easy thing to go through, but what were some of the other struggles that you faced in your transition? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the biggest was the emotional aspect, I think, just because, like I said, you have all these responsibilities, and then all of a sudden, those are gone. So um, being able to find my myself, my purpose, what, you know, what was I doing? I also moved um, halfway across the country. I got married. I didn't know many people in that area at all. So from those aspects, uh, what I would do differently is I would go out and join some local clubs, whether it's an athletic group or a professional organization. I would go out and be more active in the community. Uh, so that would take care of that aspect. From the financial standpoint, um, I had money in the bank and I was receiving unemployment benefits. My needs were very minimal at the time. I, I didn't have any debt or anything like that. So I was fine financially. Um, one thing that I did not do that I should have done is I didn't take care of uh, health insurance. And um, thankfully, nothing came up. But when I looked at my options, the, um, the, the military has a program similar to COBRA for civilian employees. Basically, it's you can keep using your TRICARE, but you have to pay the full premiums. And it was ridiculously expensive. So I didn't do that. Um, however, there are some plans out there that military members can take with them for a short period of time. I would really encourage you, especially if you have a family, to look into those health care options. Uh, the Affordable Care Act also has, it makes it a little easier to find some options now than it was uh, back when I got out. So really, I would look into taking care of whatever 
uh, insurance you need you have. Look at everything you can to take care of your family. Um, unemployment is typically there when you leave the military. Um, there are some exceptions. For example, if you retire from the military, in many states you may not be eligible for unemployment benefits. And in some states, if you receive a separation, uh, bonus pay, or something along those lines, uh, right as a result of leaving the military, you may not be eligible as well. So it's on a state-by-state -state basis, and you have to work with your state to be able to claim that. Yeah, and you know, Ryan, like you said before we started recording this, we're only going to really scratch the surface. So I would encourage everybody who's listening um, to go check out the Military Wallet because obviously you've got tons of resources that are going to back up everything that you're saying here, but also provide a lot more information and resources that you know, people can learn more and really understand this stuff because there's only so much you can cover in a podcast. So kind of transitioning over into that, you mentioned that you started the military wallet as a hobby. So what led you to starting it? And then kind of what were you hoping to accomplish? Did you see it growing into the business that it is today? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so when I started it, I started um, actually another website first. It's called cashmoneylife.com. I still have that site as well. And when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, what I was doing, I didn't know a lot about finance and you know personal finance, investing, 401ks, life insurance, health insurance, mortgages, getting married, all of these things, career topics. So when I got out and I, I had time on my hands, so I was learning everything that I could about all of these topics. And I realized that some of these websites were just run by individuals. You know, you had your, your Kiplingers and CNN Money and Money Magazine and, and MSN Money and these kinds of things, but there were also these blogs. And I had to even look up what the word blog was because in 2006, it was still a very new term. Mm -hmm. So I found a guide on how to start one, and I started one and just became part of a community of personal finance bloggers. And this was 12 years ago. I started in 2007, but many of these people that I started blogging, you know, we started blogging around the same time. Many of them are my good friends to this day, and it's, it was a great way to communicate with people, learn, share what I was learning. Um, I had a couple articles on military topics, and the rest were general personal finance. So. I moved the military topics to another website, which became the Military Wallet. And then I started making money from these. And my initial goal was, hey, I just want to make back enough money to pay for the domains and my hosting and my overhead, and then maybe take my wife out for a nice meal once a month or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it ended up within two years uh, equaling and then exceeding my day job income. So long story short, we... Uh, decided to pursue that after my daughter was born because she had colic and didn't sleep and I just I couldn't balance my day job and, and this little growing side business. So uh, we talked about it, prayed about it, and took the leap. So that's the genesis of how it got started, but no, I never intended it, it to, to be what it is today and uh, it's far exceeded my expectations. And I, I want to say I lucked into it, but I I was right place in the right time, but there was also a lot of hard work um, that went into it. So it's been a great opportunity today. We get hundreds of, th hundreds of thousands of visits, and the whole goal is just to help military members, veterans, their families get access to their benefits and learn more about personal finance so they can make the right decisions.
Yeah, that's so interesting too because when you when I asked you earlier about your degree, um, I was kind of wondering how you know you go from kind of an aviation background into personal finance. So it sounds like it was kind of just something that you were interested in, and of course now you're dedicating so much more time to it. But like you said, you really enjoy it. It's something that you are obviously passionate enough about to have done it you know, previously not expecting to make the amount of money or even for it to become the big thing that it is now? Yeah, it, it was a passion project that um, became financially viable, and, and I still do it to this day. Um, I don't have a tech background. I don't know how to code. I can write, you know, minimal HTML and, and some minor mm-hmm. things, but I know how to copy and paste well, and I can hire people to do things that are more tech technologically advanced. And the reason I bring this up is because when you're a veteran and you're transitioning, you're going to have a lot of tremendous skills and values that you can lean upon. And it doesn't necessarily, don't let things hold you back, I guess I should say, um, because you can go out and start something and with the right drive and opportunity and networking, you can make something work, even if you don't have all the answers to begin with. I still don't mm-hmm. know how to code. I've been doing this for 12 years. I'm not a website developer. I'm not a designer. I just write content and I try to help people. And when you provide value for other people, you will get rewarded in the long run. And uh, there's so many things I could say to follow up to that because I feel like we could have an entirely different uh, podcast just about this topic because something not even specific to veterans, but something that I think everybody is interested in these days is having that additional income stream and um, you know, having a side hustle. It's something that a lot of people are doing and they don't really know how to get started. Do a lot of people um, come to you asking how you got started with doing that? Because I think it's really important what you said is that you don't have to know how to do all of it. You, you can get help with that. So I think that's what kind of makes people not want to is that they think, well, I don't know how to code and I don't know how to do this. And it's really easy to just chalk it up to well, I would like to do that, but I'm not going to be able to because of A, B, and C. So is that something that you get asked about a lot? Yeah, I do get asked about it from time to time. Um, side hustles, as you mentioned, is a huge topic. And yes, it, <laughs> there are entire websites and podcasts dedicated to that. And if somebody is in the military or say they're a military spouse, um, side hustles are great because I know a lot of military spouses uh, who are in the space that I am. They run their own websites or they create digital products and they, or they're freelance writers or designers or developers and they've taught themselves these skills. And I, and I, very specific, I am very specifically bringing up military spouses now because it's a very difficult time for them, for many of them when they transition or move a lot and they have to keep finding new jobs over and over again. So... Mm-hmm this ability to create a a skill set that is valuable and marketable and that you can do in your own time is tremendously valuable. Uh, Whether you're a military member transitioning, you're a spouse, those times when you're in those transitional phases, you can still have an income. So I would encourage you to follow whatever your hobbies or your skills are and try to find a way to make money from that. So if, if you're a good, strong writer, Try writing articles for websites. If you're a designer, developer, coder, if you're good at problem solving, there are a lot of ways out there. And there's a bunch of great sites where you can learn how to do these things. Just type in side hustle in Google or ways to make extra money. But just be creative. Think about what you can do. And, you know, the economy 
is very different now, like especially the digital and online economies. These opportunities weren't really around when I transitioned out of the active duty force in 2006, but they're so abundant today. So I think it's a great skill set to have, and it can open doors to, if at the minimum, just a little bit of side income, but potentially a whole new career field. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. I'm sure that's, I think that's something that a lot of our listeners would want to know about too. And you you bring up a really good point about um, not having geographic location. So if you've got something like that, that you're doing, you are so much more flexible. And at least in those transition points in your life, you're still bringing in some money on the side, which of course, everybody could benefit from that. So I think that's a good answer. Um, you have tons of great resources available on your website. So I don't want to go through every single thing because, like I said, I encourage everyone listening to go check it out because there's so much and um, they can digest it on their own, whether it's listening to the podcast or looking at the blog posts that you have. But um, can you talk a little bit more about the general topics or buckets of financial information that you cover? Sure. So there's there are five main categories that we cover. It's military pay and benefits. Um and that includes veterans benefits as well. We do cover a little bit of military career and transition. So while you're still in the military and then the transition into civilian employment, we cover military discounts, military life. So that would be more like your family, spouse, PCS, uh, those kinds of things. And then money management topics. And that could be anywhere from uh, thrift savings plan to uh, military tax things, uh, insurance, all those things. So those are the five buckets. We try to keep those very broad, but we do have subcategories below that to help people find what they're looking for. But those are the, the big picture categories, um, pay and benefits, career and transition, discounts, military life, and money management. And we, we find that really covers the whole spectrum as far as things uh, go when it comes to the financial side of the house. And that's really what I'm focused, finance and benefits. Mm-hmm. And the website's very easy to navigate. You've got all of those buckets that you just mentioned across the top with all of the subcategories underneath. So, um, you know, you obviously, you've got all these topics on your website that you cover. You've got a lot of experience in this. You've been doing this for um, all, over 12 years now. So what do you think generally when people contact you? What is the financial issue based on the things that you just mentioned or something that you didn't mention that people usually struggle with the most. When we were talking about doing this podcast, we, um, you had mentioned a few things. So you can mention those here or, um, you know, talk about some of the frequently asked questions you get. But I think anything that you can share here would probably address any kind of questions that our listeners would have as well. Sure. So the first thing is there's no one size fits all, right? So there are people like me who got out, got out of the military after one enlistment. There are others who serve for 20 years and they're retiring. They're in a different life, uh, life stage. Um, there are people who, like me, were single. There are people who have families, people with no bills, people with lots of bills. There are people going into the Guard and Reserves. So there's a whole spectrum, like just like life. It's um, like, what do you tell somebody who's graduating from college? Well, it's a really big picture. So looking at it from that big picture perspective, I think the number one thing is planning and preparedness. I've talked to people who, and sometimes there's no fault of their own, they get involuntarily separated or medical separation or forced to retire for one reason or another, and they have a very short lead time and they're out the door. 
And that's a very difficult transition. Think of it as being laid off from a civilian job. It's very hard to be prepared for that. But there are other people who, for one reason or another, let things slide up on them. And all of a sudden, hey, you've got to get out, but you've had years to plan for it. So what I would encourage everyone to do, no matter what stage of your career you're in, whether you've been in for two years or 18 years, start planning now for your exit. I was starting to plan for my exit after I had been in for about three years. That's about the halfway point. And I wasn't sure if I was going to stay in or get out. But my goal was, okay, if I get out, what does that look like? Can I finish my degree in time? Will I have money in the bank? Will I be prepared for whatever comes up? And even though I've been preparing for a long time, it was still a difficult transition. So the more time and preparation you have, the better. And what I would encourage you to do doesn't mean you have to go out and, and create all this huge, you know, 12-step plan for transitioning and all that. I would just encourage you to sit down. If you have a family or spouse or loved one, talk to them about what it means. Make sure you're thinking about the transition. Make sure you're planning financially with education, whatever it takes. That's the number one thing that most people miss out on. They underestimate what's involved with the transition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think based on what you just said, Ryan, I probably asked that question. We're about, I don't know, 110 episodes into this podcast. And that's a question that I ask people a lot in terms of, you know, in hindsight, what do you wish you had known about the transition? And I would say nine times out of 10, the answer is to start early. And so I think it's one of those things where, we just, a lot of us are just wired to procrastinate. So, you know, you should start early, but you always think you have time. And the problem is even going back to that question that, you know, I had asked you earlier that we had received on LinkedIn, when it comes down to, you know, should I wait to start a job when I need the money or, you know, should I start one that I'm not really interested in so that I have the money? Not always, but a lot of times, even issues like that can really they don't have to be, you know, one of your main stressors when you're transitioning out because if you start early and you know what type of job you want and you've already met with the companies or met with the recruiter, you don't even have to worry about that because you started with enough time to think about it and, you know, to get all of that ironed out. Yeah, that's a definitely a great point. Um, there can be limitations on how far out you can, you know, find a job and, and things mm -hmm. like that, especially with certain government contracts. You might have to, there there are some times where you have to wait to go work for certain contractors and things like that. Um, another complication I think that many people run into is we're used to in the military having a task with certain criteria. You go out and you finish, you go out there and you do it and you know you're done. And preparing for something that's an unknown is very difficult. There's no standard operating procedure. You know, if, if you're in the military, you're planning for an exercise, you have a rough guideline of what to do. You've got a team you're working with, so you're not alone. But a lot of people, I think, feel alone with the transition, and there is no set guideline. Okay, even though I know I'm transitioning two years from now, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my fi family? What does that mean for my finances? And it, it's, there are a lot of unknowns, and I, I don't think it's necessarily people always want to procrastinate. I think there are just so many unknowns that it's difficult to tackle these questions and it's difficult to do it alone. That's why I encourage people to involve their family members so they're prepared, but also so they have somebody to bounce these ideas off of or to talk about their feelings. I know a lot of military members, uh, myself included, don't want to talk about their feelings, but when I look back at it, 
those are the, that's part of the reason why I struggled is because I didn't have somebody to talk to about that. So having a mentor, talking to one of your old buddies that has already transferred uh, out of the military, these things can be valuable data points and they can really help you make this a more smooth transition. Doesn't mean it will be easy. It probably won't be easy, but it will be easier or it will go mm-hmm. more smoothly because you'll be better prepared. And there are so many resources out there to help with the transition, but at the end of the day, it always helps to talk to people who you know and trust that have made you know similar moves in the past and can kind of talk you through some of the stuff that they did. Absolutely, yeah. But I do also encourage people to check out those resources. They are there for you, and I'll tell you, the military community is one of the best communities to be a part of, and that's why I came back and joined the Guard uh, after being out for so long, it's just I missed being part of something that's working toward one mission. And uh, for those who are active duty, I would encourage you to look into the Guard of Reserves. I didn't at the time. I I was completely burned out. I did too many deployments in a short period of time. But um, I do encourage people to look into that because it's kind of a – when we talked earlier about going into a government contracting position, it's kind of a halfway step. If you can go into the Guard or the Reserves – then you can still wear that uniform one one weekend a month, two weeks a year, and you can still grow your military skills. You have access to great benefits, especially low-cost health insurance. You continue to work toward retirement. But more importantly, you're still part of that community, and then your network, your professional network grows exponentially. There are always people who are looking for short-term hires, long-term hires, people with civilian jobs who have a network and they say, hey, I know there's this position over here that's opened up in my civilian job. It is a huge way to get part of a professional network and with immediate trust and buy-in. So I would really encourage people to look at that. I'm not saying you have to do it. Just look at it. It might be good for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that's great advice. Now, you mentioned earlier, obviously, there's no one size fits all um, when it comes to, you know, financial topics that people want to know about. But is there kind of a general theme that you see um, over and over again about maybe being like the biggest financial mistakes that transitioning service members make? And going back to what you just said, maybe it's just, you know, not preparing early enough in advance. Yeah, I would say that a lot of people underestimate their military compensation. You know, we, we're used to looking at the military pay scale. And, you know, as an E5, you make X amount per month. Or as an O3, you make X amount per month. And you say, oh, well, don't forget your BAH and BAS, which are your housing and food allowances. Okay, well, I make an extra 1500 a month combined between those two. So I need to make $5,000 a month to cover everything. What they're underestimating is that your BAH and BAS are tax-free, right? So you have to back that out and say, well, if you're making $1,500 a month for both of those, that might be more equivalent to $1,800 a month before taxes. But don't forget you have free health care. You're not paying anything for that. And, oh, by the way, you have this thing that's taken care of and this thing that's taken care of. So a lot of people think, okay, if I'm taking home $60,000 a year from the military, I just need to find a job that's making $60,000 a year on the outside. The actual numbers will vary depending on where you live, your career, and certain other things, but the actual equivalent might be more like seventy or 75000 or 80000 depending on how much your health insurance costs or what it covers. So I think a lot of people just underestimate their financial needs. Um, 
So that's one thing I would certainly look at. The healthcare aspect is another one that I hear from a lot of people, especially if they're in that transition time between military and finding an, a full-time job where they have access to healthcare. So I'd encourage people to look into the various healthcare programs when they leave the military. If not, look into the Affordable Care Act plans. There's a healthcare exchange. Um, I, I forget what it's called. It's like healthcare.gov or, or one of those sites. Go to one of those. Um, there are also a lot of uh, like Christian ministry healthcare plans like MediShare and Liberty Health, I think they're called. They're very affordable. They're not quite the same as insurance, but they will help you cover a lot of things and they cost significantly less than your traditional healthcare plan. So those are the big things. Uh, know what your financial needs are know what you need with your budget to get by during that time period and really take care of your health care, especially if you have a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you obviously have, like I said, so many resources available on your website. One of them is a podcast. And if anyone, I guess anyone who's listening to this is probably familiar with your podcast anyway, if they like enjoy this type of medium to get their information. But if they are not familiar with it, um, can you tell us a little bit about it? So how often do you have new episodes? Are you the host of it? And then where can people listen? Sure. Um, the podcast is just, it's on iTunes, Stitcher, you know, the big uh, platforms. Um, I also, when I create a podcast, I will embed it into articles on my website. So if people find that resource, they can also listen. You know, a lot of people do show notes where it's a couple quick tips or here are the things that you're going to hear. I try to really create the show notes on my website as a full length article. So it could be three, four, 5,000 words long, but we really go in depth on the, on the topic and really try to provide a service for people who want to read things in different mediums. Mm-hmm. As far as how often I update it, it's, it's actually been a little while. Um, I commissioned uh, about two and a half years ago. So I became an officer, which was a, a great opportunity. Uh, but with that, uh, I, went to officer training school and then follow up tech school and a whole bunch of other things have happened. I moved and built a house. So I kind of put the podcast on hiatus. It's currently off to the side right now, but I am looking at bringing that back uh, potentially in Q1 of next year. So if I do that, we'll, we'll see uh, how we can do that. And I'll probably commit to at least a 12 episode run and then uh, possibly, you know, kind of like a season basis, take a month or two off and then kind of repeat from there. That way I can uh, get the information out there, help a lot of people, and then uh, still take breaks to focus on the website and the other aspects of my business as well. Mm-hmm. But you have a variety of topics available on there right now. So if, if anyone ha- has not listened to it, they can still go and kind of catch up because you've got several episodes that they can listen to, like I said, covering a variety of topics and multiple that they can listen to until it is comes time for you to release more. Absolutely. And that's the whole goal of, of doing the podcast was to create this um, content that would be evergreen. That would just, it would be, uh, be able to live on and provide a resource for people even as time goes by. So um, hopefully I'll, I'll keep those articles and those episodes live so people will be able to find them, but they should still be good resources and we'll keep adding to those as time goes by for sure. Mm-hmm. So other than, you know, maybe expanding the podcast next year, is there anything else that you've got on the horizon, whether it's new services or resources that you're offering? Um, obviously, you've come a long way since 2012. So do you think you're in a good spot right now? Or do you have anything that you're hoping to do in the future? 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I am in a good spot. But um, to be honest, I, I've been a good solopreneur. Um, so I've built a good business for myself. But I've I've had a limited success as an entrepreneur, you know, building it outside of myself. So I'm currently in the process of trying to build out a team so that I can hire more people to help me build the website. Because I honestly, I'm not an expert in every topic out there. I'm, I'm well versed in a lot of them, but there are many things I'm not an expert in. So I want to bring in some more writers and content producers and people who can add a new voice to the website because there's so many aspects of military life that I really want to help people with and I can't do it on my own. So that's my goal. So for people who are looking at getting started in a freelance job or making a little side hustle, you know, they can contact me and if they're a writer or something like that. And uh, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to bring in some more people, bring on some new voices and just really expand our, the reach of our website and try to help more military members, veterans and their families. Mm-hmm. And you have a huge following online. I, I looked at your Facebook page. I think you've got, close to 15,000 likes and people following you. So obviously there are a lot of people that are, you know, very attuned to what you're saying and keeping up with you and everything that you have to offer. Is there anything that it has been the most rewarding to you, whether it's, you know, that community that you've built online or just the feedback that you've gotten from people who have, you know, found some success in their transition based on your website? Yeah, it's it's a hugely rewarding uh, position I'm in to run this website. So we do have, a, um, I think it's close to 15,000 on Facebook, um, and we have over 100,000 subscribers on our newsletter. So every time I send out a newsletter, I get a lot of feedback from there. Uh, but I also get feedback from people who have listened to the podcast and have thanked me because I helped them to get into the military or I helped them with this aspect that they've looked everywhere to try to solve and couldn't find. So just hearing a thank you from someone is tremendously rewarding. And it's one of those things that, that makes all those struggles and stress, stressful days worth it to know that you had an impact on somebody else's life and career. And, you know, it's, that's why we're here. That's why the military community does what it does. Like I said earlier, the, the military community is one of the best communities, and it is. It's like the world's largest fraternity slash sorority. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you have this instant buy-in with people just by saying, yeah, I served. And there's this instant acceptance and willingness to help someone out. And I love that. And that's what makes, that's what makes all of this rewarding. Yeah. So Ryan, I really appreciate you being on today. And just to close this out, is there any last piece of advice that you'd like to share with our listeners about, you know, transitioning out of the military? It could be based on your own experience or something that you've learned from others could be financially, um, you know, kind of along with everything we've been talking about today, or it could be nothing having to do with finances. Yeah, um, you're not alone. You know, whatever it is, like I said, we're, we are a community, and there are so many people out there who are going to bend over backwards to try to help you as long as you're willing to meet them halfway. So if you go to somebody humbly and say, hey, I am looking to do this. I want to try to get into this field or I need help with this. Can you point me in the right direction? As long as you're going out there and meeting people halfway, so many people in this community are going to do their best to help you out. So don't be afraid to do that. That was one of the things I struggled with. I, have, I thought I had to do everything myself, and that's not the way it is. So if there's anything I can tell somebody is, go out there, seek help, find a mentor, 
join a, uh, an organization, do something to go out there and really be proactive with it. So yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Awesome. Great advice. Well, Ryan, again, thank you so much for joining the show today. And we will include links to the military wallet and um, anything else that you would like us to share with our listeners. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Megan. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond, so make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.